Let me do a little preface before the message, and that is this. I don't always comment on world affairs, but we are in a time in our lives and history that is so crucial that I want everybody here to hear me say that I am pro-Israel. Now, everybody makes their own choice, but based on the Word of God that I read, uh, Israel is still God's favorite nation, and they have been attacked, and there's a lot of atrocities going on in that part of the world, that's for sure. In Psalms 122, verse 6, it says that we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so I'd like to encourage us this morning as a church family to pray for God to bring peace to Jerusalem. Jerusalem and to that surrounding area. Now, how does that all play out? I don't know. Uh, I just know there's a way more to this than what meets the eye at the moment. And so we want to be very diligent, those of us who are believers in Christ, praying for the people of that region as God works. We pray in miraculous ways. So let me lead us in this prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We're extremely grateful for the privilege and the access to your throne that allows us to come and pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for that surrounding region. And Lord, we know that there's a lot of prophetic utterances about this time and this season and this particular nation and this region. And Lord, we just continue to commit all this into your hands. And Lord, however you see fit for us to be involved, whatever that might be, mostly, of course, we know in prayer then we'll do so because we love you and because we want to honor you in all that we say and do. Continue to be with the families who've lost loved ones. Continue to be with the folks who have suffered the loss of their whole life and livelihood. And let this be a time where even those who are Worshippers of the true God come to the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So please continue to pray. I know you will, and I'm so grateful that you do. So the series we're in, Who Am I in Christ? And last week we talked about sanctification and the fact that sanctification is individual. And so all of us, every one of us, no matter who we are, if we are in Christ... Now, please understand what I'm saying here. If we're in Christ, then God in his design for us and his redemption of us has a divine design that we're to live out every day. And so as individuals, we're sanctified. What does that mean? Let me give it to you in a simplistic form again. Set apart for intended purpose. God made you for a purpose. Now... That purpose could be whatever his choice was for you. It can be any vocation, can be any location. But the point of it is that all of us, as we grow in our intimacy and relationship with him, we're so desperate to know exactly why God placed us on planet Earth. Particularly, I believe, in the season of history and the time in history that we're in. I don't think there's time to be wasted, is another way of saying that. So individually, we have an intended purpose. God has placed us, I believe, strategically in vocations where we have the opportunity to reveal the living Christ in us. And it's not just from a pulpit. I want you to know that. It's on your job. It's in your classroom. 
It's in our neighborhoods. It's when we do commerce, when we're buying groceries or whatever the case may be. That is God's intended purpose that we as those who know him are proclaimers of the salvation that is ours in Jesus Christ. It is absolutely amazing that we are the recipients of that incredible grace of God. So we have this personal relationship with him. So it's personal, but it's also corporate. And sometimes this is where the rub comes in. We're sanctified as individuals, but as a church, as part of the church. You guys do know there is a church worldwide. And we have brothers and sisters in his church that are of different different ethnic origins, different languages, people that we we will never know into eternity. But in the meantime, it is our responsibility at the place that God has placed us. I want to try and get a broad sweep today. I'm going to come back next week and kind of bring it in a little more narrow. And you'll see how that's going to work together. At least I pray you will. But how does this all work out? That God had this incredible plan when he created the church there in the book of Acts. That all this would work out. And we're the local expression of that in this particular location. We have many other expressions of that in our community. And then, of course, worldwide. How does that all play together? Well, let's look at the scripture. Romans 12, 4 and 5. For just as we have many members in one body and all members do not have the same function so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another did you hear that we are members of one another does it amaze you it does me that there's so much conflict in church today I mentioned it before We have churches literally dividing over the acceptance of sin in the church, in our world today. Things are blatantly in the scripture as contrary to the will and word of God, and yet we have denominations who are deciding which side they're going to be on. There's only one side, it's God's side. And it isn't my view or your view, it's his view. So we take the time prayerfully to spend in the word. But all of us have a part in this and we don't all have the same function. See, that's the problem sometimes because I'm not sure how it was when you grew up in church. And when I say grow up in church, I mean, I'm talking about for me as a believer and as a young pastor. It was, I don't know how to explain how it was done. It was almost expected, I guess. It was an unspoken rule. That everybody would do the same thing, the same way, all the time. Maybe I was the only one to perceive it that way. I don't know, but that's exactly how it seemed to come across. When the Word of God, as we're reading here, and we will in other scriptures as well, says, oh no, we don't all have the same function. We have different responsibilities. We have different areas of ministry. We have other places than maybe someone else has. And isn't it amazing and wonderful that all that exists? That we can have this privilege and still be members one of another. Now, since I'm a member 
And when this, well, we're not talking about church membership here. This is about membership in the sense of we're in the body, not because we've joined a local body and we have our name on a card somewhere. But we're in covenant together. We're going to talk more about covenant next week. We're in covenant together. We're in agreement together. Again, we may not agree on everything. In fact, it's probably pretty realistic that we won't. But we'll agree on the essentials based on the Word of God. So we're one another. So if I am one another with you and you are with me, how am I going to talk to you? And then how am I going to talk about you? Look at the next one. I, you, you can't not love Paul and his writing here to the Corinth church. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. We're all in Christ. See, when our focus and our attention and all that we have is on him, then it makes the amazing difference of how we honor and respect and treat one another. So let's suppose that you're in this group. Are you? If you're here, you're in the group. Okay. So you're in this group, and I know it's going to come as a surprise to you, but some of us have some rough edges. I know it's just a few, thank God. But we have some rough edges. So God in his loving care for his body, which is the body of Christ, the church, has this unique way of helping us. You know what it is? It's somebody else who comes along, and because we have these rough edges in our lives, he brings somebody to rub against us, and it grates on us. Because God, have you ever noticed what he does? When he's wanting to change something in your life, he brings the people you don't like to do it. It's like, really, God? I would, I would be okay with this. If it was somebody I like, but I don't even like them. And his whole, whole thing about us in this body of being one in him is that whatever those edges may be, whatever those uh, rubs that we have might be, he wants them gone because he wants that world out there to see a unified body, a unified body for his glory, for his praise and for his honor. For by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. Guess who that is? That's the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit of God working in my life, working in your life, and realizing because God created us that we can have some difficulties in us. We talked a little bit about that last week of how those things need to be taken care of and should be taken care of. But at the same time, we still sometimes want to hang on to our junk. Like our junk is special. No, it's not. It's junk. Get rid of it. We're going to do an exercise before we finish today to help with that if you're willing to participate. For by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. And this one body that we have says this, according to Paul. 
There may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. Now think about that. Paul uses, I didn't put that scripture in the lesson today, but Paul uses the physical anatomy of my body, your body, as illustration of what the church is supposed to be. Every member has a function. Every member was created by God with a design intent. And when that is being utilized by the power and enabling of the Holy Spirit, then there's a supernatural work that demonstrates to the world that we love him first and we love others as he says we are to do. How many of you guys this morning in your arm said, I don't want to get ready. I don't want to brush my teeth. I'm not participating today in any of your plans. Or what if your leg said, you can go if you want, I'm staying home. Sister Annie McFadden had been a friend of mine for years, and Sister Annie had a problem with one of her legs. I think it was a circulation or something. And because of it, she would have trouble sometimes controlling that leg. And she says, I talk to my leg, and I tell it what to do. She said, when I get in the car, and my leg doesn't want to get in, I tell it to either get in, or I'm going to drag you down the road. (laughs) Your choice. She said, guess what? My leg has gotten in the car every time. This incredible creation of the body, the human body that God has done and how it all works together. And how when I look at the human body, the creation, the genius of God, it it blows my mind with all the functions. And Paul uses that as an analogy of saying, hey, that's how the church is. It's supernatural. The medicine, the, the medical profession is still trying to explain how all this works. And have you noticed more and more? It's, we don't know what's wrong with you. Because more and more things are coming up that have never been dreamed of previously. And we go back to God created it. God knows how it's supposed to function. We trust him. We believe him. Yes, we enjoy and appreciate the medical profession. But at the same time, this is created by God. The church of Jesus Christ is created by God. It is supposed to function under his power and under his authority. Now look at the last part. It says, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Well, guess what? We do pretty good on that first one. We really do. Maybe not as good as we need to. Sometimes we mess up. I get it. But when people are suffering, we tend to have for them a compassion. In fact, let me read for you 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It says, To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. In other words, he's saying... As you're going through stuff, this is kind of attitude we have toward one another. And like I say, we pretty much do okay with the suffering. Because somebody's going through a difficult time. You want to be there. You want to pray for them. You want to help them if you possibly can. That is very biblical. And it's very right. But that last part, if one member is honored... 
all the members rejoice with it. Do we? If we did, I don't think we would have near as much jealousy in the church. And I'm talking about the church now. That's that's the, the heartbreak for me. And I don't know how to help you with that. Except to encourage you to rely upon the Holy Spirit to bring his conviction in your life so there can be change for his glory. Because the word of God says when somebody that we know who's part of our church family is honored, we should be honoring them. And we should be rejoicing with them. Rather than saying, well, why didn't I get that? Why didn't I get that job? Why didn't I get that uh, what, that honor or whatever, that recognition? Why did why didn't I get it? And, and I'm going to be really candid with you today. So much of this is with our kids. I love you guys. I love you kids. And I think there, we have some of the most amazing young people and children in the world as part of this church family. But I also got news for you. They ain't perfect. Just because they're yours, they ain't perfect. I have three grandkids. They're as close to perfect as they can possibly be, but they're not. <laughs> And by the way, if you're a grandparent, you can't brag on your own grandkids. There is something wrong, but that's a whole other story. At the same time, I'm not a social media person. You guys know that. You say, oh, you're the old guy. No, I'm just staying out of it because all the mess that is is part of it. When people post so much braggadocious. Is that a good word? Braggadocious. Did. My kid's better than your kid because my kid did this. I'll never forget. She was on a grocery store one time and we'd encountered a lady who had left our church family. And uh, she, we were talking to her and she was talking about the things her son was doing. And there's another young man in the church who was doing the same thing and excelling quite well. And so we just mentioned his name. Oh my goodness. She immediately attacked his kid. Said, "Oh, but what he does is nowhere near as great as what my kid's doing." I said, "It's time to leave the grocery store." When we are in Christ and the Holy Spirit of God that we just talked about and read about in Corinthians that baptized us into the body of Christ, we are for one another. It doesn't mean we get it all right all the time. I get that part, but doggone, do we have to be so consistently wrong? And our attitude and our actions toward one another. And we're talking about worldwide too. It's not just here. We, um, it's, it's more than that. And so let's move on. Because we want to look at this theme and how God's doing all this. And I want to give you some very specific areas of how God has allowed us to be involved in body worldwide. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building of the body of Christ. This is known as the fivefold ministry. So there are those gifts that Jesus has given his church. And those gifts, when they're exercised properly under the control and enabling of the Holy Spirit, they help the church function well so that what? So that the saints are equipped for the work of the service. You just heard the commercial on our serve cards. I'll say this again next week with a little more emphasis. We're all here to serve. 
If you're not, you got a problem. We're all here to serve. It's just that simple. To the building of the body of Christ. See, I'm not serving so I can get recognition. I'm not serving so people can pat me on the back. I'm serving, why? Because I want to be a part of what God is doing so that His body is built up for His glory in order that, again, our world can see this is who Christ really is. Until we all obtain the unity of the faith... And of the knowledge of the Son of God to the mature man, to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Recently, I'm involved in so many different ministries at different levels. But recently, one of those groups, which I believe were fairly mature people in Christ, they had a conflict. And they called me asking if I could facilitate their meeting where they could reach a resolution. So I begin to pray. There's another leader like myself, and I contacted actually two of them and asked them for prayer as well. Because I'm thinking, is the is the issue here about truth or is it about preference? The meeting was scheduled. The person who seemed to have the greatest angst about the situation met with me early and said, I need to, I need to tell you something. I said, what's that? I was wrong. I said, tell me, please, how you were wrong. And here's what they said, which you got to love the Holy Spirit. Here's what they said. I realized that what I was doing had nothing to do with truth. It was all about my preference. I said, oh, God, I love you. This is so good. She said, so I want you to know I've contacted all the other people who are supposed to be at that meeting and told them there's no need for a meeting because I was wrong. And this is the important part. I loved it so much. She said, I'll let them know I was wrong in bringing them in. Because one of my first questions, one of my first concerns was, how many people did you talk to? You know, for this to be as big as it is. So let me ask you all the question. When something happens in your life and you're community of people, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, how many people do you talk to? I've told you the story and I'll tell it again. One of the local pastors years ago was going through extreme difficulty. And for whatever reason, some of the folks that I knew in that church family decided that they were going to express their uh, concerns with me when I had no responsibility, no access, as it were. And, and so they, they caught me in a public place and said, oh, you, you need to hear all the, all the things that our pastor's doing and how wrong he is. And they went until they finally took a breath. And I said, I just have one question. And they said, what's that? I said, are you spending as much time in prayer for your pastor as you are, here, are, as you are out here on the street talking about him? It was funny. The conversation ended. They left. 
How many times has God, and how many situations in churches has God wanted to dissolve and resolve without any public display because there's folks who go to the prayer closet and really go there in prayer believing that God is God, He is supreme, He's sovereign, He hears, He answers, and He works in the hearts and lives of people. And that's not violating anybody's free will. That's us in the prayer closet doing what God wants us to do so the body of Christ can reveal the fullness and we can demonstrate to this world we have grown up. It is time to put up the nipples, folks. You know, little sucky cups. My grandson's got one of those now. Little sucky cup. Sippy cup, sippy cup. That's what it is, sippy cup. (laughs) It amazes me. You you walk around a church and you've got folks who've been there 20, 30 years are still walking around with their little sippy cup. (laughs) You know, where's my chocolate milk? It's, it's time to grow up. And we have the privilege and the enabling power through God and all that God has done so that this is done well. Please, please, let us be this body that demonstrates that we have unity of faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and we are mature in our walk and relationship with Him and we belong to Him in all His fullness. We have that privilege. We have that joy. And we also have, and I'm going to jump out a little bit so I can come back next week and, and finish it up. But God has given us unique opportunities. I think unique, not true for everybody, but for a lot of the world. And we have this incredible relationship and involvement with Hope Givers International. When Sam Thomas was here some months ago, and he was sharing the needs of India, we had families and individuals who are part of this church family who felt a burden to help as they could. So up here, you'll have to walk up after the service and see them, but up here there are printouts and pictures of the two churches and the three wells that have been built by the funding that came from this church family to India since his having been here. That's God. Why else would anybody living in Chester, South Carolina, we're talking, I'm, I, I went back big, the body of Christ worldwide. Why would anybody in Chester, South Carolina have concern whether or not some folks in India, brothers and sisters in Christ, would have a place to worship or where they would have clean water so they use the wells, these are called Jacob Well Projects, use the wells as a witness and testimony to the very presence and supply of God. Is that not God? Well, let's celebrate that. Let's praise God that we have this privilege. I want us to, like I say, see the big picture a little bit. And then I mentioned some of this last week. I asked um, our representative at Faith Comes by Hearing to give us some more details for today. Because if you remember when the church family voted to take a tithe off the sale of the land, by the way, you see the houses, not the houses, the land's being cleared. Um, they plan to build, start building houses at first of the year. Took that money, $42,500, and gave it to Faith Comes by Hearing, and they have what they call the 2033 vision, that in 2033, listen to this now, in 2033, 10 years from now, every language group in the world 
people have some of the word of God in their language. Now, when I say that, sometimes when they translate, they translate maybe only one book of the Gospels. It may be Mark. It may be Luke. It may be John. But they're making sure that the gospel is clearly presented in their language so that they can have the privilege and opportunity to receive the same Christ that we have. So what they did was, because they they learned a lot in their process of growth, they called it the 2033 bucket. And so all the money that came in for these translation projects went into that bucket. They could not give us a very specific language that had been translated by the money that we were able to give to them. But here's what they did send me. From June, excuse me, from June this year until October, 86 new languages have been recorded. That's God. Amen. They have these incredible devices called acclaimers and proclaimers. And on those devices are the Word of God available in the language of the people and people group that they're trying to reach. All of those are solar powered. One of them, the acclaimer, is about this big. I have a picture on my phone. I didn't think to give that to you, Chris. Sorry. It's solar powered, and you can put it in a room, and 15 or 20 people can listen to the gospel. The next one up is bigger, has a little more power, and 50 or 60 people or more can listen to the Word of God in their language. In 2022, Vision 2033 funded, listen now, funded 194,622 new Bible listening programs and audio devices appropriate for the people groups that were targeted. Now again, you have to understand, when they say this, they are, and they acknowledge they're partnering with other groups. They're not taking all the credit. They have worked hard, and God has given them special grace, and I believe miracle for so many um, entities, so many ministries to come together to share the Word of God and to share in the technology that God gave them, and they have given away freely to anyone who's willing to do the work of translation wherever in the world it might be. And one of the things that we've been involved with them for a number of years is the military Bible sticks. Listen to this statistic. Last year, listen carefully. Last year, Vision 2033 funded 50,000 military Bible sticks to the Ukrainian military. Now, you have to understand, these are not given out. They don't just ship 50,000 to Ukraine and say, give those out. They have to be requested. So either a chaplain or someone in authority has to receive the request and then they submit the request and it's given to the person or persons who's requested it. This is church. This is, this is getting past being so petty and so selfish and touching lives wherever God gives us the privilege and opportunity to do that. And he's allowed us, again, as I said, I think, special privileges that we do not want to take for granted, nor do we want to 
<laughs> brag about us because we know God did it all. That's what makes it so fun and so cool. But we still have these rubs, these areas of our life that can be a little difficult. Well, let's look at one more scripture before I get to the exercise. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. I got to I got to admit it's a little difficult for me to see me self, see me self, see myself as a bride. I've had the honor of officiating at I don't know how many weddings over the years and is there anything more beautiful than a bride? I mean, it it just, it's incredible. And it says the bride has made herself ready. See, that gets back to what I'm saying of the individual sanctification and the corporate sanctification. Meaning that if there's anything in my life that's not supposed to be there, it needs to be gone. So we're going to um, play here in a moment the same song we sang last week, He Will Hold Me Fast. You heard it in Brenda's scripture from John 10. We're in his hands and he's holding us fast. And as he holds us and as he reveals himself more and more to us, the things in our lives that are contrary to him should be dealt with in a very effective way. So I want to give you, as we listen to the music and see the lyrics on the screen, I want to give you an exercise. Yesterday morning was just a, for me, an incredibly special morning. It was raining. I like rain. It was cool. I like cool. And so I'm sitting on our screen and porch, and I thought, oh, I haven't lit my fire pit this year. And so... I light the fire pit, and I'm just sitting there, just me and God. Nobody else around, just me and God. You know how mesmerizing a flame can be? Maybe not for you, but it is for me. So I'm watching the flames and enjoying the sound of the rain, and the Holy Spirit of God is just... And I I really, I say, God, I I don't want to ask you for anything. I just want to praise you for all that you are and all you're doing in my life and all you've done in my life. And and I was enjoying such a sweet time. And then as I was doing that, the Holy Spirit began to reveal some of those things in my life, that attitudes and things. And, and I've been at this a long time. And so, you know, come on, Steve. we got You know, it's got to be dealt with. And, and it isn't that it hasn't, but sometimes it comes back. And so then I, I, I did this little exercise. And again, uh, I'm going to ask you to do it with, a, with your imagination that I was able to do yesterday with mine. As I looked at those flames, I said, Lord, and I've shared with you guys before, I really want to see campfires, not bonfire. In other words, everything in our life that is not of God, it says, will be burned up in the end in that big bonfire when all the hate, wood, hay, and stubble, all the junk in our lives that was that we may have thought had value and had purpose. And, and God said, no, I'm looking at it from my perspective, and it isn't. But those things which have eternal value that are really gems, those are the ones who will not be affected by fire. I hope I didn't lose you in this illustration. 
But I just took some time and I said, okay, Lord, I'm in my mind, in my spirit, in my heart. As you bring something to my attention that's not you, I'm putting it in a fire. And just let you burn it up. So if you would stand, please. And I'm going to ask you to pretend that down here along the front we have some fire. And as we listen to this song and listen to the lyrics of the song particularly, that he is, one, he is the one holding me. He's the one who's got me. He's the one who is there for me. He is the one who loves me when nobody else can and will. That anything that he says is not of him, I'm going to come and just put it in the fire. Now again, it's an exercise. You can participate or not is your choice. But I'm telling you, for me yesterday, it was a just a precious thing that God did. So, Father, help us today. Holy Spirit, you're here. You're working in all of our lives. We've been baptized into you, and we're grateful for that. We're your body. We're your bride, Lord Jesus, looking for that day when you will come. And that incredible, incredible, amazing ceremony will take place. So thank you. So whatever's in us that's not of you, Holy Spirit, we're just trusting you to do, reveal, to help. And we respond in Jesus' name. So would you, as the song plays, the Holy Spirit prompts you, just come down front. It's not for long. It's not for display. It's just, okay, God, I'm taking care of this stuff.
thank you for loving us Jesus thank you for loving us Holy Spirit thank you for loving us and thank you for holding us through the trials and experiences of life you hold us we're in your hand and nothing can take us out we're in your love and nothing can separate us from that love we want to thank you with grateful hearts for your love so abundant, so free. And thank you for holding us. In your name, Jesus, we offer this prayer. Amen. Amen.